Welcome to Word Today. I am your host, Levi Johnny Griffin. And if you are new here, I want you to know that everyone has a bias. So I need you to identify yours and check it at the door because on Word Today, the only opinion that matters is God's. Today's topic is believe, invest, love, obey, how loving God helps you to love yourself. And I want to start off with a story. Is it okay if I start off with a story? All right, I'm going to tell you about two housewives. Let's call the first housewife Cindy, and we'll call the second housewife Maria. So Cindy, she has a good relationship with her husband, you would appear. So does Maria. So Cindy's husband gets up early to go to work when Cindy's husband, Bob, both of the husbands would be called Bob. So when Cindy's husband, Bob, gets up, uh, she has his breakfast packed for him. And uh, she gets back in the bed. She'll pack it and put it out for him, get back in the bed. So he wakes up and he grabs his breakfast and he's out of the door. Cindy uh, doesn't call him to ask what he wants for dinner. She just prepares it. So when he gets home at 545, dinner is already made. He comes in. They eat together. She puts his slippers uh, by the living room sofa and uh, he eats and then he goes off to bed just to start it. Again, they don't ever argue. They have actually they have very little interaction. Cindy prepares everything for her for him in advance. Now, Maria is a little bit different. Uh, Maria doesn't just make whatever she'll call him around two, three o'clock in the day and just say, hey, what do you feel like for dinner tonight? And uh, then she'll go out and grab it and, and make it. So when he gets home at five forty five, dinner's not made. Uh, it's kind of wafting in the air and she likes that for him to come home and smell the food as it's cooking. Um, she, she doesn't put his slippers by the couch. She puts them by the bed because she kind of wants him, uh, in the bed, you know, for a little marital bliss there. She wants to have that interaction with the husband. She loves her husband. Now they argue because they interact so much. When you interact a lot with some, with someone, you tend to, uh, argue with them. So they argue a lot. Now you would think the, relationship with Cindy is better because they never argue. But the truth is they don't even really love each other. They don't interact with each other. They're, they're going through the cycles. She is obedient to him. He wants dinner at five 45. She has it. He wants his slippers here. She, he, she does it. He, she makes sure he has his breakfast in the morning. She's obedient, but the obedience isn't out of love. It's out of wanting to separate from him. It's if I obey him, I really don't have to talk to him. I don't have to interact with him. I don't have to love him. I just have to make sure that the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. With Maria, it's a little bit different. She, they are a little more rough and tumble, a little more rugged around the edges. They do interact, but they love each other. That's what happens. They, they eat together. They talk, they laugh, they argue. Actually, I just did, uh, finished a paper on a study that says relationships that argue more more passionately are more passionate uh, in every area of the marriage. And you put two and two together and they love each other more. So the arguing doesn't isn't an indicator of a bad marriage. It's actually can be an indicator of a really healthy marriage. So why did I tell you these two stories? Even before we started the podcast, I wanted you to I want you to really ask yourself when it comes to God, are you Cindy? Are you just trying to cross off the dots like, hey, I hadn't lied. I hadn't. Uh, I hadn't, you know, fornicated. I hadn't committed adultery. I hadn't done this. So, man, you know what? Me and me and God are good. I don't really need to have a relationship with God. I just need to make sure that the the eyes are dotted and the T's are crossed. Or do you actually? Or are you a Maria? 
Hey, I love God. We talk, we discuss, we enjoy each other's time. And sometimes we disagree and I yell at him and he says, hey, why did you let this happen? And he yells back. And we have a rough and tumble relationship, but it's love. Where are you? Where are you today? Are you Cindy? Are you Maria? Think about it. You'll have a second. Right when we get back. Okay, and we are back here on Word Today, and uh, hopefully you know if you're a Cindy or a Maria. Listen, we're, we're going to get into a lot here, and it's going to seem like we're not following the topic, but we really are. You just kind of have to wade the water out till we get to the end, but it should all pull together and tie in to make a perfect bow uh, in which we should have a strong uh, biblical foundation and a great understanding. Now, there's a couple of things that we really have to learn here uh, or have to state here before we even get started. Uh, and those are just some basic definitions. The first is obey. Next is abide. Law, faith, Pharisees. These are some things that we need to know. And we'll dive in that before we even get started. The outline for the podcast today uh, is for one, the big topics. There's three big topics here. One is the law um, this you know, and we're going to not we're going to, of course, define that. But also, what is the law? When was the law uh, given? Uh, what was the first law? What was the second law? When was the law fulfilled? Uh, the, the next big topic topic here is going to be obedience or the second law. We're going to talk about that. Um, why seeking obedience is good and honorable. Why seeking obedience, though it's good and honorable, is ineffective. Why seeking obedience makes one distant from God. Why it causes that Cindy effect. Well, yeah, I'm checking the box off. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I didn't do this. I mean, I also didn't really pray. We also didn't really worship together. But, you know, I checked the boxes off of what you require. Um, why seeking faith is the only way to please God. We're going to dive into that and we're going to get deep. Why seeking faith causes a love for God. Uh, and then we want to get on to some points. Why seeking to believe God causes obedience. And lastly, it's all about faith, baby. Uh, so we're going to dive into that. Anyway, I know that sounds like a lot and it is a lot. So I want you guys to stay with me. And uh, I think this is going to be good. I think this is going to be some great, solid teaching for those that are, that, you know, are like me, that crave a solid, good, solid teaching, educating uh, diving in, digging into the word of God. I think you're really going to appreciate this today. Now let's begin to un- unpack it. Some of the definitions. One, obey. Uh, to follow the law of Moses. So when I say obey, that's what I'm referring to, just following the law of Moses. You remember those those Ten Commandments, right? Uh, thou shalt not have other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto in, uh, thee any graven Im- images. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And thou shalt not covet. All that Exodus 20 stuff uh, will be the law. But it also goes into um, all of the stuff that Jesus talks about. You know, you know, uh, you know, adultery, fornication, all the stuff Revelations talks about being cowardly. Uh, so all of that stuff is going to be considered the law. Uh, faith. Uh, definition of faith is just going to be the Hebrews 11 definition. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. That's Hebrews 11. And we're going to be out of the NLT 
for all of the scriptures today, except one scripture where I think we're coming out of the ESV. Uh, and Pharisee, our last definition, a member of an ancient Jewish sect distinguished by strict observance of the traditional and written law and commonly held to have pretensions, uh, pretensions to superior sanctity. So these were the super, super righteous folks and not not saying uh, they, you know, acted super righteous. They they literally tithed everything. They tried to be uh, tried to follow every law to the strictest utmost utmost and many of them if not the vast majority of them did they followed they were they were complete cindies in a sense where they obeyed everything they obeyed everything but we'll see how they obeyed god but their heart couldn't be further from him all right so we've done our definition now let's start digging in the first uh big topic here is the law our way to salvation first thing we're going to learn is first law when the first law was given and it was given in genesis 15, 6. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abraham or Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what God are all what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer, a Damascus, a servant in my household will inherit all of my wealth. That was the tradition at the time. You have given me no descendants of my own. So one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So what was the first law, the first way to be saved? Uh, and here I'm using law at, in the sense of salvation because the law was given to get people saved. The Mosaic law, all those rules were given for the purpose of salvation. So what was the first way to be saved? The very first way? Faith. Wasn't the law of Moses. Wasn't the Mosaic law. Wasn't the thou shalt nots. It was faith. And Abraham believed the Lord. He had faith in God and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So the first law is faith. And, you know, there's uh, theology about the law of first mention. Well, this is kind of the first mention of salvation. And the first mention of salvation wasn't through the slaying of bullocks and goats and through penance and through uh, sacrificing animals. The first way to be saved was faith. Belief. But that makes you wonder, why is there so much emphasis on the second law? And what is the second law? It's obedience. It's works. The Ten Ten Commandments, all of those thou shouts and shout nots that I just read. That was the second law. So when was the second law given? The second law given was in Exodus 20. And everything has to be in context, people. Like I talk about context all the time that things need to be. They have to be. They always should be. In context, they have to be in context. So why was the second law given? Why was it given? It was given because we have a group of slaves, the Israelites, that had been in slavery for 430 years. They had been in slavery for 430 years. All they knew was cause and effect. You cause the brick production to slow down. The effect is we're going to beat everyone, including the elderly. You caused uh, less bricks to be produced on Friday. So you're now going to have to work extra uh, on Saturday. 
you you you're causing an uproar. So the effect is now I'm not going to provide wheat for you to make bricks. You are gonna have to find a way to make your own bricks and produce just as many. That's one of the things that the Pharaoh punished him with when they were wanting to go out and worship God in the desert. So after 430 years of cause effect, cause effect, cause effect, the first law was just faith. But over 430 years of cause and effect and cause and effect and cause and effect in a culture that looked at the Pharaoh as God himself, cause and effect, cause and effect by the God of Egypt, their Pharaoh. When Moses comes along and and, and tells them, hey, I spoke with God, they're looking for a cause and an effect. You know, Moses can't say, well, God just loves you because he loves you. God just a God wants you into his bosom just because he wants you because they're going to say, OK, what's the catch? What's the cause? Their brains wouldn't have accepted a love without a cause, uh, uh, something good without them first doing something. OK, we're going to give you half a day off on Sunday because you produce double the amount of bricks on Saturday. They're used to there was a cause and this is the effect. So the introduction of this is an effect without a cause was just not it, w- it wouldn't have computed. But the law was not the intent for the salvation. It was just a bridge until the people were ready to accept and affect God's love, the effect of God's love without a cause. This is proven in Galatians three. It says Galatians three nineteen. Why then was the law given? Why was the law given if it was just all faith? It says it was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. Hey. You see your sins. You see the problem. There's a cause. There's an effect. But listen, you you want the law. You want to get right with God. Sacrifice these bullocks. Sacrifice these goats. That's the law we're talking about here. Uh, the second law. Just sacrifice. Do this. Do this. And and now now okay, it sits right with me. I did something, and now God loves me because I did this stuff. I obeyed these laws, and now I'm right with God. There was a cause. There was an effect. <sighs> okay, it makes sense. Everything is right in the world. But Galatians 3, 19, it says here, listen, this was only for a time. It showed you your sin. It showed you well, the, the evil in your own heart. It showed you what was wrong with your heart and, and what was wrong with your thinking. And it was only here till it was fulfilled. And Jesus fulfilled it. It says, but the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. The child of the promise. That's the child of Abraham. The child of the promise. That is Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the law. And for some of us. We, we, we still are on a cause and effect mind frame. But the, the higher uh, way of thinking is God loves us simply because he loves us. That is the true way of thinking. There's no cause. That's just the effect of God's love. He loves us. He saved us. That's it. Period. For some who need a cause, he loves he loves them because of what Jesus did on the cross. But really, that's not some people need that. Oh, he loves me because of what Jesus did at the cross. That's why he loves me. But that's really not accurate. That's not accurate at all. Romans five and eight says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. It said it loved us before the cross. Matter of fact, the only reason the cross happened is because God already loved us. But some people, they can't accept the effect without the cause. Okay, if we're not sacrificing goat, then okay, he had to sacrifice Jesus. That's why he loved us. No, he just it's hard for some people to say, no, he loves me just because he loves me. And then some people struggle um, with just the fact that God loves them at all. He does. 
So the first law, faith. The second law is that Mosaic law, the sacrificing of bulls and goats and all that. Uh, and then we get into the law fulfilled. The law was fulfilled. Matthew five. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. What does it say in Galatians three nineteen? But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. Now, in Matthew five, we're seeing that. Don't misunderstand why I've come. And this is Jesus speaking. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. The fulfilling of the law. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear. Not even a smaller detail of God's law will disappear. And it's until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. So don't teach people to just, you know, go rape and pillage and lie and fornicate and indulge. He says, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that that stuff will last. Uh, it will last. It says, so if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be great in the kingdom of heaven. I'm not saying you're going to go to hell, but I am saying you're going to lose your rank in the kingdom of, of heaven. He says every detail, uh, even a, uh, not even a smaller detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved, until you are perfected, until you are righteous, till you live holy without a law. Matter of fact, I, I don't have that scripture up in my notes, so you guys really need to see these notes. There's a lot of great notes. But uh, it, the, the Bible even says that. Like, listen, man, this is this is not not a jot or a tittle, right? This is this is good stuff. It's not going to be changed and it's effective until we're perfected. It's effective until we're perfected. And it is in effect until we're perfected. All right. What about the second law? Let's dig into the second law. All right. James one. Uh, and this is going to be about our heart. Right. Um, so second law, why seeking obedience is good and honorable. Uh, James one twenty two. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. But Let's look at 25 again. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you in doing it. So even though the second law, all of the doubts and in continuation, all of the things Jesus said not to do and all the things the Bible tells us not to do, don't lie, don't curse, don't steal, which is part of the 10 uh, commandments. And also not to, you know, don't commit adultery, don't uh, fornicate, don't be cowardly, don't. Uh, and that's a good one. I think I have a teaching on just Revelation 12, 11 uh, and Revelation uh, period uh, about not being cowardly. But um, so all, all of those things are saying, listen, if you do this, it's good. So obeying the second law, all of the laws, it's good and honorable. It's a great thing. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Um, don't misunderstand me. And don't take it as, you know what? You know, Levi's just saying we can go do what we want to do. We can, we can just roll and just kind of roll however we want to roll. We can just do whatever we want to do and it's all good. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that just do whatever you want to do and it's all good. That's, that is not, that is not what I'm saying. It's not what the Bible's saying. 
It's, you know, seeking to be obey God is good and is and it's honorable. Now, oh, that's my Bible study alarm right there. All right. Number two, why seeking obedience is ineffective. So we, we, we see that seeking God is good and honorable. But even though it's good and honorable, it's also ineffective. Galatians three. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say curses everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is so it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So even though obeying the law is good, no, even though obeying the law is honorable, um, it's ineffective. So it's good to to want to live right. It's great, you know. The Bible tells us James is like, hey, man, James one. Hey, it's good. God will bless you for it. But we learn that even though it's good to 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 attempt to live right, it's ineffective. It's we, we can't be justified from it. And it's a standard that we can't maintain because to break one little law is just like breaking it all. If we're looking for salvation through our obedience. Another thing. Is that obedience makes us distant. Third point here, that obedience makes us distant from God. John eight, the Pharisee replied. Remember when we we talked about the Pharisees, we gave a definition of the Pharisees and the definition was uh, the person or the group of people that had a strict observance of the law. They lived it closer than anyone uh, of us or anyone back then could even live it. Um, and this is what it says. The Pharisees replied, you're making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. And this is them yelling at Jesus. And Jesus replies. And then they say, where is your father? They asked. Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. What is he saying? You obey the law, but you're a Cindy, not a Mariah. You obey the law so you can check off boxes. You're not trying to get closer to me. You're trying to get further away from me. You don't want to see me in the morning. So you pack the breakfast and you put it out on the couch. You don't want me in the bedroom spending time with you. So you put my slippers out on the living room and the living room by the sofa so I can read the paper and watch TV. You're obeying me to avoid to avoid interaction, not to get closer. So, yeah, you you check off all of the tick boxes of what I asked you to do, but you never came to seek my heart on why I asked you to do them. Cut the light on. You just cut the light on. You never try to figure out why I said cut the light on. I may say cut the light on because it's five o'clock. And when you figure out my heart, then you go cut all the lights on at five o'clock because your desire is to get close to my heart. But if your desire is just to check off the tick box, then you're not close to my heart. And Jesus is saying, listen, yeah, you, you check you check off the obedience boxes, but you don't even know me, man. You don't know God. You don't know me. You weren't trying to love me. You just trying to make sure you. You didn't get in trouble. Not because you love me, because you just wanted to check off a box and you wanted to feel good about being righteous. Had nothing to do with me. It was all about you. So that's obedience. Let's let's go back to the first law. Why seeking faith is the only way to please God. Hebrews 11 says this. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assistance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that we what we now 
what we now see did not come from anything that we can that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. And and people ask this all the time, right? Why did God accept Abel's offering but wasn't happy with Cain's offering? And we see here, Hebrews 11, it was because Abel brought his in faith. He believed that this was, hey, this is the best thing. God is the best thing ever. I'm going to bring him my best. And he offered with faith, believing whatever God said, whatever instruction God had given. He brought it. He believed it. Cain, not so much. Cain obeyed. He brought an offering, but he didn't have faith. He didn't love God. He wasn't a Moriah. He was a Cindy just trying to check off the box. And I'm checking off the box, man. I'm here in church. I'm here in church. You wanted me in church. You said I need to come to church. I'm in church here. I'm checking off the box. Am I trying to volunteer and get involved? No. Am I trying to lift my hands and worship? No. Am I trying to have a genuine experience with you? Not really. But guess what? You, you didn't say you didn't demand all that stuff. You demanded that I come to church. You know, forsake not to sell fellowship. So, I, hey, be happy. I'm here. And he's like, no, man, doesn't count. Doesn't count. There's no a for effort there. And it says, listen, it goes on to say, although Abel is long dead, he he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Now, why does seeking faith cause love for God? Because it does. We, we, we seek faith, but in, but the byproduct of that faith is love for God. And it, and it really makes sense. And the reason for that is, is that uh, you love whatever you invest in. Matthew six twenty one says this, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. I tell couples that are struggling that you don't need to prove your point. You need to prove your love and not to the other person, but to your own heart. Spend your time investing. Spend your last twenty dollars on that person, expecting nothing in return, demanding, um, not demanding that they pay you back in any way, but just accept your love for the love that it is. When you're in love, think about being in love. When you're in love, you give, and the act of giving alone makes you happy. They don't have to do anything. Their smile, just the act of giving it to them, makes you makes you happy, right? Just the act of giving. You know, and I'm going to tell you this, if you ever you're in a marriage, you're in, you're in, you know, a relationship with God, you're if you're no longer happy by giving, you know what I'm going to tell you? Fake it. Do it anyway. Put on a big smile, come to church, lift your hands and worship. Or if you're in a relationship, give them anyway, take them out, take them dancing if they like dancing and you fake it like it's the time of your life. Why? Because your heart will see your actions and go. This person must be really important to us to do all this for them. Let me up my love for them in proportion to all that has been given to them, to everything that I'm doing for them, taking them, dancing, I'm doing all of this stuff. And your heart sees all that stuff and goes, man, this person must be really important. Let me bring my love up to the level of this action. Because you will love whatever you invest in. 
where your treasure is, your money, your time, your heart will be there also. You will desire them. They will become the desire of your heart. And the Bible says you will have the desire of your heart. B point there is you invest in whatever you believe in. Hebrews 7 says this. It's about it's it's New Testament, but it's about Abraham in the first faith, the first law. This Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God most high. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. So what is Abraham doing? This is actually the foundation of where we get tithing from. This is where the tithing idea and the tithing, uh, the foundation of our scriptural tithing comes from. And it's, and it's Abraham investing in basically the church and in, and in God's will, God's kingdom. Why is Abraham investing? Because he believes in him. He believes in God. He believes what God says. And since he believes, because Melchizedek is the high priest, and since he believes, he invests. And since he invests, he falls in love with God. Why? Because where your treasure is, where your money is, where your time is, what you value, your time, your money, where that stuff is, your heart will be there also. And all of that to bring me to my very first point. Why seeking to believe God causes obedience. Why seeking to please God causes obedience. Obedience isn't caused because we want to obey. We can't wake up and go, you know what? I'm never going to sin again. I'm just going to choose to live right. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to will myself to do it wrong. We've already seen that it doesn't work and that it puts us under a curse. It just doesn't work. So why do we seek God? Why seeking to believe God causes obedience? John 14, 15 says this, and this is red letter. This is Jesus talking. It says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Obey me, man. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate. So you'll have me and then you'll have another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Just so if you love me, obey me and I'll and, and the advocate will be with you. I'll be uh, rooting for you. Holy Spirit to live in you. You'll have me, the Holy Spirit, God on your side. You'll you'll have everything. If you love me, obey my commandments. And, and Jesus isn't saying this like, you know, a uh, 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 you know, girlfriend snapping her fingers. If you love me, you would have came home. Let, no, he's not saying if you love me, you would obey my commandments. No, he's not saying that. He's he's saying, listen, don't look at the or trying to obey my commandments. Don't worry about that. Just look to love me, because if you love me, you will obey my commandments. All right. Galatians three. Listen to this. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be after starting your Christian lives in the spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God could declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. 
God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Has life. That all brings us back to faith. It's through faith that a righteous person has life. All back to faith. You love whatever you invest in. You invest in whatever you believe in. So you're saying, okay, I want to obey more. How do I? How do I conquer sin? How do I obey more? That's simple. Believe more. Okay, so so how do I believe more? How do I increase my faith? Well, I'm gonna give you two very very simple tips. Two two really quick tips. Uh, two things to do to believe more. One, increase your knowledge. If you read all about gas masks, you'll start, you'll have more faith in their ability to filter deadly gases. You'll quote stats with confidence. You'll be talking about, oh, if in this part has this type of filter at level three or whatever, whatever, and this type of filter. And if you do this, it'll filter these gas, And you'll become confident in the gas mass. Knowledge will increase your trust in God's abilities that he can do the things you read about. Psalms 18. Verse 15, intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. Learn more. Just read more. Read more commentaries. Read more books. Read the Bible. Crazy, right? But yeah, read the Bible. And you'll see, man, it will increase your knowledge. And with that knowledge, you'll be quoting, just like you would be quoting stats with the gas mask. You start quoting scriptures. And, oh, did you know God said this? Did you know? And not in a, you know, I'm all this, so I'm self-righteous way, but a genuine excitement about what God is, who God is, what God can do. So one, increase your knowledge. That'll increase your faith. And two, test him. Test him. Listen, all right, so in boot camp in Great Lakes, Illinois, they put us in what they call a confidence chamber. It was really a gas chamber. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Uh, they lit the gas and they have us with gas masks on. And you can breathe, I mean, the room fills up with I mean, really toxic gas make you not. I mean, it's really bad. And you're breathing it. You're breathing in through the gas mask and you're totally fine. Right. Your eyes aren't burning, you know, because you're in the gas mask. You can breathe fine. Everything is fine. It's filtering everything out. It's good. And then they have you pull the gas mask out and yell, you know, some phrase, you know, two nine zero is the best. Right. Three oh eight is the best or whatever. Whatever your unit number was. Right. And uh, that's 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 what they do. And before you can yell out, you know, one, nine, two is the best. You're choking and you're gagging and you can't leave until all the people on your row finish and then you can leave. So, you know, last person gets through. I was like the third person of like 10, 15. So I'm up. I'm in the front, maybe, maybe the fourth or fifth out of like maybe 12 um, to be really realistic, what I'm, you know, as I recall. So, but it, it seems like a million and choking, gagging, and finally get out of the room, um, out of the gas chamber. And it, and the, the reason they call it a confidence chamber is because after that you have total confidence in your gas mask. 
you were like, man, when I had this gas mask on, I was pretty Gucci, right? I was great. But uh, not not once I took it off. So and that was the test. So you're testing in a toxic situation your gas mask to build confidence in it. Next time you're in a toxic situation, start testing God, start quoting scriptures, start asking God for things. Test him. The Bible says to test him. Malachi 310, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. So there is enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven armies, Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. God isn't just being cocky. He's saying, listen, if you try me, you'll see it works. And once it works a few times, you'll have more faith in me, more belief. And if you believe in me, you'll invest. And if you invest in me, you'll you'll fall in love with me. And if you fall in love with me, you'll obey me. And if you obey me, what does it say? What do you say? I'll tell Abraham. And if you obey me, I'll bless you make you the father of nations listen i really appreciate you checking out today's podcast make sure to find me on facebook facebook.com forward slash levi johnny griffin hit me up on twitter at levi underscore griffin subscribe to the podcast on itunes apple podcast platforms google podcast platforms and stitcher also Place a link to this podcast in your social media feed and tag me in it, Levi Johnny Griffin, for a chance to co-host a show with me. Hey, I want to leave you with this. Four evidences of Christian faith. One is belief. We believe in what Jesus did on the cross. It's what covers us and gives us access to the glory of God. B, lifestyle. It just means we live like we believe it. Jesus tells us to live right. We live right. C, we evangelize. What does that mean? We teach other people about Jesus so they can have faith. Indeed, we spread the lifestyle. We teach them how to live like they have faith. How do we do that? We connect them to a church and we connect them to plenty of Christian material, Bibles, Christian books, Christian movies like The Passion, and even Christian podcasts like Word Today. Share it with your friends. If it's blessing you and you're eating and growing from it, let someone else eat and grow from it as well. I love each and every one of you. Let's keep praying and keep pushing in the faith together.